This is the Retirement Detective Podcast, where we dive into cases with Philip Mock, chartered financial analyst and certified financial planner professional, to solve common retirement and financial planning questions. Get insight into how to solve quandaries that appear on the path to and through retirement, ideas on how to approach savings and investing for retirement, and how to plan for retirement in a tax-efficient manner. Now, here's your host and lead retirement detective, Philip Mock. Hey everyone, it's Philip Mock with the Retirement Detective Podcast. Welcome to today's episode. In today's episode, we're going to talk about four financial scams to be on the lookout for this year in 2024. And we'll talk about what the number one scam of 2023 was so that you can be careful out there and keep an eye out for it. And that will be today's episode. When it comes to financial scams, the Federal Trade Commission's Consumer Division is the watchdog. And when it results in criminal activity that may be reported to a a local or state or federal law enforcement agency like the FBI, but as it relates to tracking data on scams and understanding scams, the federal watchdog for that is the Federal Trade Commission. And every year, Um, they share this information with the public in something called their data book, which is really informative in terms of what sort of scams are out there. And the FTC gets scam complaints just about every single day. According to the Federal Trade Commission's data book, people lost $10 billion to scams in 2023. And that's quite a bit more than 2022. It's the highest number ever, despite the fact that The actual number of reports was about the same as last year, which means the average loss per scam has gone up. First of all, we're going to talk about the number one scam of 2023, and then we'll walk through some other pretty common ones and also a new one that you can be on the lookout for. First of all, before we go into these, I want to talk about just some basic security measures that you can take. And I'm not a cybersecurity expert, but I think there are a few things that you can do to help yourself. First of all, don't use public Wi-Fi, And if you do, use a VPN connection. And if you're not sure what that is, look it up and make sure that you have one if you're going to use a public Wi-Fi, like at a restaurant or a coffee house or a bookstore. Number two, Keep track of the emails that you get that are regular, the emails you expect to get, the emails you know the sender, and keep track of the ones that you don't. And the ones that you don't recognize, uh, you should automatically be suspicious of. And most importantly, when you get an email from someone that you find, you know, you're you're not sure who this is, you're not sure if this is legitimate. First of all, you may not even want to open it. Second of all, if you do open it, please do not open any attachments please do not click on any links. Scammers take advantage of the fact that people are curious. And when you get an email and you open it up, you see something in there, you're like, well, I don't know what this is. I'm I'm gonna check it out. Yeah, that's not good. Number three, keep an eye on your bank account. Keep an eye on your credit report, your credit card statement. Look for unusual activity. You always wanna be on the lookout and be proactive. And number four, it helps 
in my opinion, to put a credit freeze on yourself at all times unless you're needing credit. Think about it this way, like your credit is an asset and like most of the assets you have, you keep your financial assets in an account behind a password, you keep your physical assets behind locked doors or in a safe with a lock and a key. Your credit and the ability to borrow in your name is an asset too, yet most people walk around every day with their credit available and accessible. And I think you should lock it down with a credit freeze until you need it. So if you're gonna go buy a car and you plan to borrow for it, go online, unlock your credit for a day, go do the deal at the car dealership, come back the next day, turn the credit freeze back on. Those are some basic things you can do to be safe, but most of all, you just need to have some common sense and think before you do something because these scammers all take advantage of the fact that uh, we're in a hurry and don't always think through things. And it was a bad year last year for this, so let's walk through it. <clears throat> so the number one fraud category in 2023 for scammers as it relates to financial scams were imposter scams. So what this is, is a scam where someone contacts you pretending to be somebody else. Uh, could be your bank's fraud department or the government or your custodian or um, someone with technical support for your computer or maybe a relative that has had a terrible accident and needs help. This was the number one scam in 2023. So I'm gonna stitch together an example for you. Imagine you get a text message that says, hey, this is your bank's fraud department. Fraud has been detected on your account. Please click the link below to learn more. Should you click it? No. What you do instead, you pick up the phone, you call 1-800, you know, your bank's number, the fraud department, say, hey, I just got this text message. Um, was this really you? You always wanna go to a neutral source like the bank's website, or if you have a card in your pocket that has the bank number on the back, call that and inquire about it. Don't click on the link in the message. Now the link itself may not be malicious, but they may ask for information and if you give it to them, then that's bad. But the better practice is to just not click the link at all. Another one is technical support. So you go to a well-known website or um, you click on something and a message pops up on your computer saying, hey, a virus has been detected on your computer please click here to allow tech support access to your computer. First of all, ask yourself, do you have technical support? If you're at home, the answer is probably no. If you're at work, is this how tech support normally contacts you? I've worked at some really big companies. They're not that proactive. No offense to anybody in that field, but they're not that proactive. So keep in mind that if someone prompts you to do something right now, you should probably be suspicious. The relative one is a common one, and sometimes these can be really complex, especially when um, the imposter is able to get a hold of your email account, so you've had an email hack. So they'll read all your email, see who your friends and family are, and then send you an email purportedly from a relative that you know, maybe even in the style and language and um, slang that a relative might use, and say, I need help, send me money. So that was the number one fraud of last year. Now, there were other frauds, but not all are necessarily financial frauds, um, but I'm gonna walk through some of the other ones that I see pretty commonly that I think are, are really dangerous, and uh, we're gonna talk about four in total today. So that was number one. The number two 
is that I want to talk about is the prize sweepstake lottery fraud. So this is where you get an email, say, hey, you've won the lottery in some country you've never heard of, and we need your bank information in order to send you your reward. So first of all, ask yourself, how does the lottery work? The lottery works like this. You go someplace, you buy a ticket, you wait until they call the numbers, and then you check your ticket to see if you won. So ask yourself when you get that email, did I go buy a ticket? And if so, was it in this country? And if the answer is no, then don't send them any information. It is remarkable how many people do send them their information. And it is happens every day. Another way that this one can work is where they say, hey, um, we're just gonna set, you get a check in the mail, or you get a, you get some, you already get the money. And they say, hey, this is your prize winnings from the lottery somewhere. And it's a real check. You call the bank, it's a real account number. You deposit the check and they say, hey, we need you to forward uh, for processing fees, please deposit your check and then forward this amount of it to this other thing. Well, guess what? The check's gonna eventually bounce, but the money that you sent on out to somewhere else is gone and you're out that money. So if you get a random check in the mail, don't don't cash it, don't, don't send it somewhere else, be really suspicious of it. Okay, so the next one I wanna talk about is an investment scam. So these are starting to pop up and especially with cryptocurrency, not all cryptocurrency is a scam, but scammers have really latched on to cryptocurrency and um, it can be pretty bad. So there are legitimate ways to buy cryptocurrency and I'm not gonna talk about that in this episode, but if you get a Facebook ad or an email or whatever that says, hey, we're getting absurdly high returns in this cryptocurrency, click here to find out more. You click on the link, which you shouldn't, but you click on the link, you find out some more, you learn about what they're doing, and you say, wow, I really wanna do that. That sounds fantastic. So you send them money. Are you ever going to see that money again? No. So a, a legitimate advisor of some sort, there should be a few basic things that you should do to vet that person. First of all, any legitimate financial advisor or broker should have a federal license ID number that you can go online and look up. It's go to the SEC or FINRA and look up IAPD, Investment Advisor Public Disclosures. Look up their name, see if they're on there. If they're not, that is suspicious. You should find out more. Number two, if you're going to send somebody money for an investment, there should be some sort of contract or uh, agreement so if you're engaging an advisor, there would be an agreement that basically walks through, here's what the advisor is going to do for you and what you're going to pay the advisor for that. If it's a investment, some investments require an agreement like a limited partnership or certain real estate investments. And this is more like a subscription document and it's probably even longer than the advisor's agreement. Either case, it's not a bad idea to have an attorney take a look at it. But if you get an investment opportunity and you're not prompted to sign any sort of agreement, they're super eager for you to send them money. They say, oh, the time is now. 
we don't have time for a contract. That that's a super red flag. You should not you should not do that. Also, keep in mind that most advisors, most brokers, there's like eight to ten major custodians and brokerages. And if your statement doesn't say it's from one of them or the person that you're thinking about working with doesn't keep their money there, you should probably question that. And there's a reason that there's that few, and that's because it's a very difficult business to be a custodian or to have a brokerage. You have to have scale in order for those to work. And so a lot of the brokerages we have today, they're, you know, parent companies and pre-entities have been around for literally over 150 years. I just think it's important to do a sanity check when you get an investment opportunity and think about things that would make an investment opportunity legitimate. Is the person offering it to you licensed? Are they offering you the ability to sign a contract? Now, the reason the contract's important is because it's not just a commitment from you, but it's a commitment from them. And in the event that it turns out to be fraudulent, the contract will offer you, the client, some protections. And number three, um, you should just look at where the money's gonna go, ask really good questions, say, hey, can I see the deposit form? If they say, we don't have a deposit form, but here's the bank account number you need to send the money to, you just need to run. That's, that's really, really bad. Okay, the last one we're gonna talk about is a new one. So there's a new one that's come up, and it's the first I've heard about it, so I wanted to share it with you. And this one uh, is courtesy of Charles Schwab, uh, the custodian, and um, they were the ones that brought this to my attention. But it's basically a search engine scam. So you go to a legitimate search engine like Google, and you type in the search. You don't know, you forgot the website for your custodian. Maybe you use Schwab or Fidelity or Vanguard or... Um, Bank of New York or somebody, you forget the name of it. So you, in the search terms, you just type Schwab or you just type Fidelity. The scam is that the scammers are paying enormous amounts of money to have a fake website that looks like the Schwab or Fidelity or whoever's website appear at the top of the search results. And if you didn't know, as an aside, a business can basically buy ads that allow them to be at the top of the search results. What happens is you go to that website, it looks very much like the actual website, but either after you try to log in or even before you try to log in, it prompts you with a message that says, hey, fraud has been detected on your Schwab, Fidelity, Vanguard, whoever account, please call this number or click this link to find out more. And once you do that, you know, they've, they've got you. So the key thing to remember is Look at your documents and number one, so look at your documents. The actual website's probably on there, www.whatever the actual website is.com. Type that in there instead of searching and bookmark it. Once you have the legitimate website, bookmark it, and then always click on that bookmark to go to that website as opposed to Google searching it. Number two, really anytime you click on a link on the internet, if you hover over it, depending on the browser you use, but usually it's near the bottom. Sometimes it's in a pop-up, but usually it's near the bottom. Just hover your cursor over the link before you click on it and look down at the lower left of the browser, which is where it is on my particular browser, 
it will show you the link. And in this search engine scam for these ones that are at the top, if you hover over the link, you'll see that even though it says in Google, at, you know, in the middle of the page, schwab.com or whoever.com, if you look down at the left at the link, it is not that company's web link. It is something completely different. It's really, really important on the internet today that you are cautious before you click because there are some places, some links that all it takes is for you to click on it for damage to occur. So when you're searching in Google, be cautious. Not every Google result is legitimate. Google does its best to clear out the bad ones, but some are still out there. So use those bookmarks, save the legitimate website in your system so that you can pull it up later without having to search for it. And then if you do search for it, make sure you hover over the link before you click on it. And number three on this, like we talked about before, if you go to the legitimate website, let me back up. If you go to the website and it says, like I mentioned in this fraud, how this one works, your account's been, there's fraud on your account. You need to call us. You need to send us an email or click this link. Like I said before, you shut that browser down. You go to your account documents. You find their 1-800 number. You call them. You ask for the fraud department. You go to an unbiased source and try to inquire more. Don't just take what it says at face value. A legitimate bank account or brokerage account or financial account will hopefully have two-factor authentication. They'll never ask you for that two-factor code over the phone. And just be careful, be wary. Your financial assets are really important, whether it's your bank assets or your investment assets. You do not want those compromised just from clicking on a link or opening in an email or opening an attachment in an email or following down the road of something that's purportedly fraud when it's actually not. If you're interested in reading more about scams, you can go to the Federal Trade Commission's uh, Consumer Alerts under their consumer division and find all sorts of useful information about not just scams, but um, how to get rid of those pesky unwanted calls and texts, as well as information on identity theft in the event you do accidentally click on one of these things and have something bad happen. I hope you find this episode helpful and we'll be back with another episode next week. Take care. This recording strictly is for informational, educational, and entertainment purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. Opinions expressed are as of the date of recording. Such opinions are subject to change. The views and opinions of guests on this program are not necessarily those of the Retirement Detective Podcast. The Retirement Detective Podcast is not affiliated with any guest or his or her business affiliates unless otherwise stated. The Retirement Detective Podcast does not guarantee the accuracy or the completeness of the data presented herein. The Retirement Detective Podcast shall not be responsible for any trading decisions, damages, or other losses resulting from or related to the information, data analysis, or opinions, or their use. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investments are subject to investment risk, including possible loss of principal. Individuals should seriously consider if an investment is suitable for them by referencing their own financial position, investment objectives, and risk profile before making any investment decisions. This podcast is not a solicitation to purchase or sell securities or a solicitation for advisory services. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, accounting, or other professional services 
then nothing in this podcast should be relied upon as rendering legal, financial, accounting, or other professional services. Philip Mock is not a detective or law enforcement officer, and any reference to such is for entertainment purposes only.